need nipple pads. Someone might have to go to Walmart. <laughs> no, I need like I need the ones that stick to my bra. I'm keeping this. You good? Yeah. Okay, well, already recording. So, just and we're back. Yo. What's up, friends? <laughs> okay, so um, we we literally just just kind of put something together real quick here. Well, we- let's just give a like little context as to. Um, I'm like probably in labor. Oh right, (laughs) well I don't know. I don't want to say I'm like, I don't know. I'm just things are happening, and I'm trying to avoid going to the hospital. (laughs) If you can hear microphones like moving around, it's because we're in bed because it's the only place Jordan can. The only way I can do anything and not feel like I'm dying. Breathing, it's also me. (laughs) (laughs) That's just life right now. Um, but welcome. We're back. Not as early or as quickly as we wanted to be from last episode. Yeah, we do that all the time. Wha- whatever. What? <laughs> it's relatable. It's right. Life. I wouldn't even say mom life. It's just life. Um. So yeah, we're gonna talk mental health podcasts because this week I was a little bit more active on my stories, and um, turns out we're all really interested in our mental health, which is good. Um, as we should be. Yes, as we should be, just as, you know, as we should be about our physical health. Um, so, we're going to get started with that. Let's, yeah, I feel like this could be a long one, so just if we just, like... Buckle up, bitches. Yeah, just <laughs> dive into it. So, I'm just kind of going to, like, start by talking, because I think you have a little bit more to say about this than me. Always the line. So... Oh, about this topic, absolutely. Yeah, so we're just going to kind of, like... I don't know. Ask questions and you can... I'll jump in as we as I see fit. So... To commentate. <laughs> if you don't follow Juliana on Instagram, you missed kind of her updates and that kind of thing recently. So let's just give a little bit of an update on yeah where you are. Where I am. Where you're at. Where I'm at. All right. Yeah. So um, let's just rewind like a couple of months when uh, my ro- most recent mental breakdown happened. <laughs> I happened to be with it enough to record myself like a little vlog diary um I didn't really have an intention for it I didn't know if I was going to post it on social media or what but I did and um I got the opposite response as to what I was expecting like I honestly was kind of expecting I was say, what were you expecting well crickets to be honest oh. like I just because people feel uncomfortable really uncomfortable yeah, I didn't yeah. expect negativity but I also didn't expect people to like do what they did yeah so, um, yeah, I mean, I was in a really, really, really dark place. And when I'm telling you dark, I mean, like, you don't want to know what was in my brain dark. <laughs> um, and after eight, almost eight years of constant up and down and back and forth with my mental health and its healthiness, <laughs> um, I decided that I could no longer continue to half-ass my journey into like figuring my shit out or like doing the things that I know I need to do well it's like you would almost get to like you would get into these dark places and then you would do what you needed to do to get out of it but Mm -hmm. nothing to move forward right nothing to like that was sustainable I'm not even sustainable but just something that was going to push me in a direction that next time this was going to it's more preventative than like you know emergency services needed so yeah, um, 
And I've heard about these moments in your life. They call them paradigm shifts. It's like pivotal moments where you just, one thing happens where you just, something changes in your brain and you go, not anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really disappointed. I actually went to California a couple weeks ago and I lost my journal, the first journal that I started. So, which in that first couple pages was like, I really, really, really wish I had it because it says so many times over and over and over again, the same quote. It says, um, it talks about how uncomfortable I am trying to like live a new different life. This is going <laughs> to just what? keep, all I keep thinking about is the poor person who opens your journal and reads Oh this my God, right? And goes, like, wow, poor, this like, girl is fucked the up. The poor cleaner of the hotel room is going to be like, oh, <laughs> should i call somebody are you <laughs> okay this person? do we need to call 911 like, did this person make it out alive right. that's probably what they're thinking i mean anyway so in that journal it has the quote over and over and over again nothing is as uncomfortable as the life i was living and that has become so repetitive in my brain still up until this point um and so yeah, when I decided that I was going to do something and then continue to do something to make my life better, um, I just dove into like whatever I knew what to do. So the first thing was therapy. I went and saw a new therapist and he um, works closely with neurodiverse uh, individuals. Um, and he's been a blessing in my life because he does not put up with my shit. Which is <laughs> at first, you didn't I mean. like that. Right? Called you out on I your had, bullshit. At first, I like called Jordan. I was like, I don't know if I like him. And then she pointed out that maybe it was because he called me out on my shit. So, anyway. Um, and then I started a routine. And I really downplay a lot. Sorry, not me. I think the world downplays how important a morning routine is and I'm not talking like you have to get up at five o'clock to be like an efficient and successful and just something consistent and just something consistent yeah. right and especially for someone like me with ADHD who my uh, executive functioning doesn't work properly so those steps that everyone takes in the morning that are you know almost like easily repetitive for them sell or for those people that aren't neurodivergent um, or diverse sorry divergent. <laughs> um, uh, it's really difficult for me. So I needed to automate those steps in my life in order for those to not take up 10 hours of my day. Because before I was, I was trying to accomplish the, what the first like 30 or 40 minutes of my day in like six hours of my day. So I was spending so much energy just trying to figure out that shit. Mm -hmm. So anyway, so I started a routine. I started waking up at 630 in the morning and from and there. like you said, that doesn't necessarily like being up early right. has That's nothing not to do with, part. yeah, that's just simply because you have kids. <laughs> no, I basically wrote down like what my must-haves are during the day or even like in general and my must-haves were alone time. And I had live in a tiny, tiny home with a teenager, a toddler, and a husband. So there's not much time that I get to myself even when my toddler and teenager go to bed. Um, so the morning had to be that time. And I knew that if I just took care of myself at night, like, and made the responsible decisions, like going to bed early and not smoking a ton of weed, <laughs> not drinking a bottle of wine, yeah, I would be able to get up in the morning. It's not impossible. It would just be a little uncomfortable at first. And let me tell you, it's still uncomfortable. It's like almost three months in and I still literally have to do the opposite of what my brain tells me to do, which is it's telling me to stay in bed. So anyway, I, I, I wake up, I take my pills and then I immediately go outside and I walk. And it actually works out well that it started in the winter because it's like the cold was yeah, as if... Yeah, I feel like it's almost like a, like those shock. cold baths or whatever, right. like shocks your system a little bit. And it wakes me the fuck up real yeah. quick. 
Yeah. Um, and by that time, like by the time I come home, then my medication is starting to actually activate. And I sit down, I read um, a chapter or two, and I journal. Or Sometimes it's in reverse. But regardless, those are like the four main things that I do. And um, the best way to describe like how my life was before this versus what it's like now is that my brain had like a backlog of shit and trauma and stuff that I just like held inside for so long. And it's not like I didn't talk about it. It's just that I didn't process it in the way that my brain needed to process it. So I'm finding out now that my brain needs to actually write things down. Like typing doesn't even work. It It's more of like a physical pen and paper yeah. thing that needs to happen. So, um, journaling like brain dumping at night is perfect because it just gets out all the shit that I don't overthink um when I'm laying in bed and then in the morning I'm a little bit more clear a little bit more energized and I'm able to do like that internal like introspective work that the books that I'm reading like really pulls out of me so a lot of people have been asking the books that I've been reading and I'll list them um on our Instagram page Uh, And also my personal page, but um, the three main ones that I have like literally been, it's been life changing for me so far (laughs) is um, The Mountain Is You by Brianna Wiest and also her, the the same book, sorry, same author. And it's called 101 Essays That Will Change the Way You Think. I'm not going to go into those because I mean, I could talk for literal hours about them, but even um, the short snippets you sent me from that 101 Essays one, it just seems... It just, it, it's, it's, it's exactly as the title describes it. Yeah. It's just, it's so perf- but simple things, but profound. I was just going to say, the <laughs> things that she says are so simple and you'd be like, oh my gosh, like why have I never thought about that before? Mm-hmm. But then the way that she puts it, you're just like, yeah. Exactly. yeah, simple but profound is the best way to put it. And, and I think that the difference between um, learning, oh my God, I've been talking to the top of the mic the entire time, <laughs> which is what I did last time. Um the difference with in in creating a routine and then creating like sustainable routines and sustainable habits is that our brains are really good at forgetting information mm-hmm. so we can read something and it be like life changing but if we're not constantly reminded of that and like constantly reading or like developing that part of our brain we're going to forget it so we're going to fall back into our old routines and our old habits and that's exactly what would happen to me like I haven't been consistent with anything in my life like I mean okay that's a lie I have obviously because I'm like my children are alive (laughs) my marriage still exists but um as personally like things that I want to do for myself I absolutely have not been able to create any sort of consistency and that's what I'm trying to do here is create consistency around the things that are helping me. And so these things are really helping me anyway. So those are the books. Oh, there's also one. And I'm going to shout out to my dad because as children, we have listened, we have heard about this book. We've heard quotes from this book since as long as I can remember. And my dad's been like, you got to read this book. You got to read this book. But also my dad has been the person who keep has for my entire life been telling me that I need to create a routine and that my life will be easier (laughs) and it's only taken me 35 years to listen to him but the book that he's um told me about and the only reason I read it was because Brianna Wiest quoted it was Stephen Covey's uh seven habits of highly effective people and it's not as like scientific as you as the title um as the title talks about or, or makes it sound it's like very similar to like the what Brianna Weiss's books are like the mountain is you it's all about like 
Very just simple, doing, yeah. Yeah, doing the inner work and then having the outer changes. Yeah. Whatever. So, yeah. So that's what I've been doing the last two and a half plus months. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's... Is that... I mean, that's an update. That's, <laughs> that's a very long update, but what else is new with us? Right? Okay, we've posted on our um, Instagram asking... Some people to ask, like, topics and things that they'd be interested in us talking about when it comes to mental health. Um, so, how to find the motivation to do things you know will make you feel better. Um, so, this is, like, a passion topic of mine <laughs> recently. <laughs> okay. So, then then you go into, like... So, I went... I kind of went into this in my stories the other day. So, those who haven't, obviously, don't follow me. You need to follow me. But also... Um, so the word motivation, I have a big problem with it because motivation assumes that there are external factors that are creating an, an um, a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a um, good environment or like the right environment in order for you to then do the things that you want to do. So right. um, I don't like that because ultimately the motivation, quote unquote, needs to come from inside and not outside pretty much for everything in life but especially for your routines and the things that and you to have make to it do. consistent and to make it um last right sustain sustainable it's the right word yeah sustainable. It, your your motivate quote-unquote motivation needs to come from within inside. you've kind of always said that um when it comes to like healing mm-hmm. mentally mm-hmm. you said nobody but myself can fix me like people like on the outside Chester. can say what they need to say. Right. They can do what they need to do, but until I need it or I want it or I'm ready to do it, it's not going to happen. Exactly. Good old Chester Bennington. Chester Bennington. From Lincoln Park. May he rest in peace. <laughs> My lifelong crush. I love him to death. Um, he wrote a song, and I don't even remember what what it's called. It's called Nobody Can Save Me. Nobody. <laughs> there you go. And it essentially is like, it, yeah, nobody is going to save you but you. Um, so nobody's going to create that motivation for you by yourself. Exactly. exactly. Well, then this person is asking, like, how do you find that so intrinsic motivation? Right. So that I think, again, guys, <laughs> I don't know it all. Not that anyone thinks I do, but I'm not trying to sound like I know it all either. I really, truly, honestly believe that that type, that question is going to be answered by kind of what I've been doing in like creating a, creating a routine around the things that I want to do and that are important to me that like le- that that quote about like if you're if you don't want to or if you want to do something you'll do it and if you don't you're not going to yeah. is so true like truly honestly if you want to do something you're going to do it there's another quote that I, I don't know if I came up with or if it's just something that like I've heard over and over again and it's just in my brain it's been in my brain for so long but um actually I need my phone for this because I forget what it is um well, shoot, now I just, it's going to take me too long to find it. So um, you're really honestly going to need to just be honest with yourself. You're going to sit down and have some like you on you time. And if you go to Canva, it'll be there. <laughs> I think I wrote it down on there. Um, like it's not going to, it's something like the quote, something like it's not going to change you until you're ready. And it's not, or no, you're not going to listen until you're ready. And it's not going to change you unless you want it. That's what it is. Look at me go. Look at you remembering. <laughs> and that quote, again, has an, another, has been so, like, p- 
prominent in my life right now. Like I'm being honest about the things that I really, really actually want to accomplish. Like on my laundry list of things that I want to do, like lose weight is one of them. But if I'm being completely honest with myself, that's not a priority right now. My physical health isn't a priority. My physical health seems to be doing just fine right now. It's my mental health that needs a lot of work. So that's what I'm doing. I'm putting the effort into that health and then, or sorry, into my mental health. And then, you know what, down the road from now when I'm doing better and I've created a routine and I've automated the things that I used to struggle with and that used to consume the the majority of my day, then I'm able to move on to things that I want to work on, um, that I've I've wanted to work on. I also feel like, like sometimes like things that you quote unquote will know will make you feel better seem like super daunting mm-hmm. and hard like for example like i'm just gonna use like having a clean home as an example because mm-hmm. i know that that helps me and it helps you and it helps a lot of other people but like sometimes you're just so overwhelmed mm-hmm. that you don't even know where to start but i think like breaking those things down mm-hmm. into small tasks so something that i know helps me personally is like i set a 15 minute timer And I say, okay, I'm going to get whatever I can done in 15 minutes. And if I get it done, I get it done. If I... Pregnant, you don't get nothing, but... (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, but like sometimes I can get a lot done in 15 minutes and then I'm done. And sometimes I get a little bit done in 15 minutes, but I'm already motivated Mm -hmm. and I'm already doing things. So I just continue that. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I get everything I need to get done in 15 minutes and I stop. And sometimes I get nothing done and I still stop. Like it just being easy on yourself breaking it down into small like don't try and take on the world the world all at once because we all do especially mm-hmm. if if is if you're a woman listening to this and i don't mean to like you know cast aside the men here but i think that's just um a stereotypical trait of women is to just take on the world like my dad um he's also he also has adhd so i think and he's never really like as a kid he never told us that's what he had i don't even know if he knew but i don't um, think he knew but like Right, but he never, like, identified himself as that. Um, But one thing that he always would teach, at least me, I don't know about Jordan, but was that you just have to do the easiest task, which is, like, sometimes, like, brushing your teeth or, like, picking up the underwear that's in the bathroom that's been sitting there for five days. (laughs) Uh, Don't try to do the dishes because when you walk into the kitchen and you have to, like, put garbage away, load the dishwasher, clean the floors clean the fridge the sink the stove all that stuff that all seems it's all overwhelming yeah right so and if you don't have adhd but you think you do (laughs) if you get overwhelmed by simple tasks that may be a sign that you do have it so um anyway so then okay so someone else asked about depression and anger Mm. i'm assuming like the correlation between the two of them Mm -hmm. which i think is just i think is super common um Depression has a lot of symptoms. Like there's a lot of symptoms that will I that will direct you um, to a diagnosis of depression. One of them would be like short tempered. That was a big thing when I first like. I mean, I know that when I'm in a depressive mood, um, I do get like short tempered. Short tempered. Yeah. But when I hadn't, when I didn't know I was, I had depression um, before I was diagnosed. When my husband and I were just married. He basically thought that I turned into a different person. I was going like, to say, he talks about that a lot, about how he, like, it was like all of a sudden you were just this. Yeah. We got married really quickly. So that was obviously, like, a really big concern of his was, like, we got married. We met and got married within the f- within the first year that we were together. So 
I mean, you always hear about that classic, like, I married her and she turned into a psycho. Um, I think... And, in, and justifiably, that's what he thought happened. Oh, 100%. And I mean, like, I don't blame him because I did. And I don't... But I, the difference is that it's not like I put on a... Um, like a show for him at the beginning and then let my true colors out after yeah. I was married. I think my true colors were showing because I was in a really good place in, when I met him. Like I had just finished my competition. And you get to a place where you feel comfortable enough to right. break down. So I was like, I don't think happens. I've ever, that's one of the things I know I've always had trouble with was my showing my vul- vulnerability. I think everyone has that problem, but um, I think I just had found the person that I trusted the most in the world. And then I just let myself go and not like in the classic term but like I just let my you know I just felt comfortable enough to just fall apart and Mm -hmm. I fall apart I did because Mm, he he basically and I don't think he'll have I don't think he has a problem with me talking about this anymore but he basically told me that he was leaving me because he's like I don't even know who you are like I don't know who I married if this is who I married then I don't want to be married to it anymore so anyway yeah depression and anger super common well jordan also like anxiety and anger but i think that was like yeah that was like one of the biggest giveaways for me when i someone also asked about postpartum mental health and like i think i can pull that into this a little bit because that was my one of my biggest my biggest red flags when it came to like my postpartum Mm -hmm. um like depression anxiety whatever that situation was a combo of both um was the anger like it was like that and Rage. the withdrawal like you withdrew <laughs> yeah and like i'm the kind of person that like like when julia's in a dark place i think like maybe now it's it's i mean i don't know in the past maybe you've shut down and like not done anything but now you you like you are open and outward about mm-hmm. it and yeah but when, whereas me like i just don't say anything i internalize a lot of it i like hold it in because i'm just like I yeah know. i know that jordan's having a hard day when like she doesn't facetime me in the morning <laughs> yeah it's true and i like i internalize it and i'm like well other people have it worse off so like i need to be strong for everybody else mm-hmm. so therefore i can't yeah be whatever so i feel like i don't know with when i internalize it and i hold on to it then that's when it builds a lot of the anger and then i end up just taking that anger out on brandon or <laughs> my dog <laughs> or, or whatever or just getting frustrated like like more frustrated with emery than i normally would like little yeah. things just bother me like her sleeping so that I've, was like the one of my biggest issues postpartum for sure well and speaking of anxiety um one of the other questions that we or the little answer boxes that we have was um anxiety and like baselines so if you don't know what a baseline is um, you can use it in whatever context, but in the context of mental health or like depression slash anxiety, it would be whatever you're like normal essentially is, um, sorry, not even a normal, it's just what your body's used to. So, um, and I actually hate the word normal. That's another thing I'm trying to take out of my <laughs> vocabulary. I can hear if my therapist is listening right now, he's just cringing cause he knows that I'm not supposed to use that word anyway. Um, so yeah, you have a, a baseline of your anxiety and your baseline is actually going to be, I mean, if you suffer from anxiety, it's going to be a lot higher than somebody who doesn't suffer from it. So what you consider high anxiety or sorry, regular, like just normal day could be a high anxiety yeah, for, for other people. Else. Right. Yeah. So, 
Um, and then I also talk about baseline, like in regards to my mood. So when you're depressed, you have like a, a baseline of really low. Um, if you're like, in, so if you're undiagnosed and you have no idea you have depression and you're just living your life as a depressed person, you, your brain like rationalizes all of your low moods and you just assume that this is the way that you're supposed to live. And that's not actually. You also talk about your baseline being like, um, it is almost higher mm-hmm. now that you've done mm-hmm. a whole yep. lot of internal work. So right. like if you imagine. But that's how you, that's how you like identify how you've changed or right. that you so are like changing. You're, you're, what would be a bad day for you now may have been a good day for you five years yeah, ago. Exactly. Oh, for sure. Or what would have been like a really hard day. Yeah. Now would have been. Right. Well, like dangerous. Yeah. five years ago you know <laughs> you dead basically <laughs> yeah um we have a so interesting kind of transition from or not even a transition we're gonna call this a tangent um talking of base about baselines and the books that i'm reading that like in the morning during my routine um she talks a lot about your happiness baseline and um i just keep changing this stupid thing i'm sorry guys uh so your happiness baseline and we as humans are so it's just so fucked up to to know that this is how we operate or that like our brains are so tricky um so you can have a happiness baseline where you essentially will not like it's maybe not like as a um if you visual if you're a visual person it's it's less of a baseline and more of like a a top line (laughs) like when you're in the context of happiness so your body or your brain will allow you to be a certain amount of happy until it reverts back to like its habits of self-sabotage and like toxic traits and toxic behaviors sorry that will bring you back down to like your baseline it's so fucked up like when i read that my whole life made sense (laughs) I'm like oh that makes sense like I'm like trucking along having a good day and then I do something stupid that my brain's telling me oh you're too happy right now let's fuck this shit up no we have to somehow make that not happen right it's so weird um yes like self-sabotage is a big is a big thing um for all of us so that's another topic that Brianna Weist goes over actually her whole book is about that the mountain is you anyway so yeah tangent (laughs) over (laughs) there was one more it was like someone specifically asked about postpartum right postpartum mental health health. i don't i do want to talk about postpartum mental health but i also want to talk about what would you call it (laughs) prepartum or like Uh, prenatal 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 mental health um i think in our last episode possibly I touched a little bit on like the beginning of my pregnancy this pregnancy specifically and what that was like and I didn't really go into too much detail again like I'm not going to go into like a huge amount of detail because I feel like I could talk a lot about (laughs) we both could talk a lot (laughs) about it but um one thing I realized like so okay so we were like trying to get pregnant but not, like, trying as hard as we were with Emery. Like, with Emery, I was, like, tracking ovulation all the time. I was, like, down to the, like, minute knew when I was ovulating. Like, I knew. I was, like, okay, if we do it now, like, I'm going to be, I'll be pregnant by this mm-hmm. point. And, like, I knew 
what to expect. And um, this pregnancy came as a surprise, even though we were trying. All aspects of it. Yeah, it's true. So it was a surprise in the sense that, like, I wasn't necessarily prepared to be pregnant because I thought I wasn't. And then I got over that part of it. And, you know, I mean, I was excited, of course. And and then came the news of uh, finding out it was twins. And that is what kind of spiraled me um, into, I don't even know what Which, I would call tra- it. Like, to other people outside of you, translated to, like, um, like you were not shocked enough. So I think that was part of my, yeah. So like, so when we found out, I was like oddly calm. Like the day we found out, like everybody was freaking out. Julia was freaking out. Brian was freaking out. And I was like, huh. Okay. It scared me how calm she was. It is what it is. Like, it was just so like, huh, whatever. Like kind of like I was excited. You just didn't. Like but really... I, I truly think I just didn't process it. Mm-hmm. I, in my head, it was like, okay, it's twins. But like my head didn't have, like, didn't quite wrap around the fact that it was twins. And I was, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that I was sick. And I somehow equated the fact that I was so sick to the fact that it was twins. Mm-hmm. And I almost resented the fact mm-hmm. that I was having two babies because I was so sick. And so that started to create some sort of, like, I almost detached from my pregnancy completely. Disassociated? Disassociated. (laughs) So, like, Julia even talks about the fact that I would, like, say that I was pregnant and that would be it. Yeah. And Julia would be the one that would have to be, like, it's twins. Literally. Because I just didn't even want to admit it. We would be at weddings and people would be, like, or we'd be talking and then she'd, you know, drop drop the news. Like, I'm pregnant. And I'd wait, like, you know, a little bit. And then I'd, like with twins <laughs> like you that's yeah, like because i genuinely was <laughs> and it was like in my brain I, I never told anybody this but in my brain i was like completely disassociated from the fact that like i would with emery i would go into ultrasounds like begging and pleading for everything to be okay and like i need this pregnancy to be okay i need her to be okay because and with this pregnancy i went into ultrasounds almost being okay with the fact that one baby like I miscarried one baby mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like it felt like I don't know it would it would almost be easier for me because this just seemed like so overwhelming and so hard to process right well, um, of and that took me a lot longer than I was expecting for me to like because I feel like I got it a little tiny bit with Emery like I got that little like prenatal depression a little bit where I almost like when I was really sick and I was mm-hmm. really tired and I felt like what did I get myself into almost regretted it like the slightest little bit but I feel like that only lasted like maybe even a few hours where I was like oh what am I thinking like, and then I was over and thankful and whatever and so like this one lasted a little longer where I was like is this is this even what I want like do right. I do I want two babies I guess I have no choice now yeah. um and that was really hard because I felt like a shitty fucking person well and again thinking that right exactly and i mean on the topic of mental health and normalizing and all of that stuff i mean like thank you for bringing that up because not a lot of people would and i'm assuming that there's going to probably be at least one person who is listening to this podcast who's pregnant right now who's hating their life so and that is a okay (laughs) right and i i mean i do want to clarify that like i have 100% processed it and 
obviously I'm very excited to be pregnant and have two babies and I just think it's like the more I'm pregnant and the more we're talking about it and doing things and like seeing Emery with babies and whatever and like that kind of thing just gets me more and more excited to right because I just feel like I don't know I feel like it's not not as scary now that I've had time to process it and the fact that I've brought it up how I felt you're right before about it talked about it and like was reassured that like you are not the only person who's ever felt like that. It doesn't make you a terrible mom. It doesn't make you love these babies any less. It's allowed me to, like, form a connection to the babies like I like I did with Emery and, like, feel like mm-hmm. I'm connected to them and, like, ready for them to come. And, I mean, now that I'm having contractions, I'm like, I'm not sure I'm ready for this. <laughs> but it has nothing to do with the fact that, like, I'm not ready yeah. to have babies. I'm just not ready to <laughs> well, push and, like, them out of my vagina. That's you know? another thing I like to talk about, too, is that two things can exist at the same time yeah like i can't remember who it was that i was talking to a little while ago oh it was it was like one of my really old like good friends um like we've been friends forever since like kindergarten and she's just moved uh overseas i don't even know if it's considered overseas whatever she lives in like the virgin islands now with her husband and um even though it's all sunny and like rainbows and roses over there, <laughs> it's really freaking hard. Like she's always, she's been in ECE like Jordan for her, like almost her entire life. Something that she wanted, like she was born knowing she wanted to do, but then she was also born knowing that she wanted to be at home with her children. Mm-hmm. But being at home with two toddlers yeah. is fucking difficult. Well, and it's like you can be thankful to be pregnant and hate your life. Right. You can be depressed and be thankful for the life that you live. Right. You can be like uh, two things. You can love being yeah. a stay-at-home mom but hate being a stay-at-home mom and be miserable at the exact same time. Exactly. I think like, society has just taught us. Yeah. That and like men are logical creature- mm-hmm. creatures so they don't understand that you can feel two things at the same time. You can be frustrated and overwhelmed and touched out and done at the end of the day and then also be super happy i don't know about anybody else's husband my husband's solution is well then we'll all just stay at home and you go to work like but that's not the solution like i want to be at home i want to be with her and i love being a stay-at-home mom or working mom or whatever even though i hate that term um i'm still allowed to feel yeah overstimulated and frustrated and over it at the end of the day right exactly and i mean what your therapist has was saying the other day i really liked and I really wanted to talk to Brandon about this too, but where she asked or she got you guys to ask or Haas maybe then to ask what you wanted, like what you needed. Do you need a solution or do you need? Actually, she didn't comfort? come up with that. Oh, Brandon okay. came up with that on his own. Yeah, I know. Wow. Um, and she <laughs> really liked the idea of it because it, so like in Brandon and I's like marriage specifically, like whenever we're having problems and I'm complaining and I'm saying things and I'm sometimes I'm simply just venting and you married me therefore that falls on you like you have to listen to me vent yeah brandon was getting overwhelmed and frustrated and whatever because he was assuming that i needed a a solution Mm -hmm. i needed him to hear what i was saying and fix it and 98 percent of the time that's not what i needed and i would get i I would be mad because he wasn't validating anything he was just trying to come up with a solution i feel like this is so relatable right Right? now (laughs) so now we've implemented this um phrase or whatever for both of us honestly like when we're venting or talking about something you say do you need a solution or do you need sympathy yeah and whoever's venting or whatever can 
say, okay, I really need you to sympathize with me or give me some empathy or whatever. So then then it's a lot of validation. Like, that's really hard. Like, that, Mm -hmm. all of that sort of thing. And then men are really, really bad at that. Right. And I just tell them straight up. And then sometimes I'm like, yeah, no, I actually, this isn't working for me and we need to come up with a solution. Yeah. And then at that point, that point we can vent and whatever and then then he knows he at that point he can come up with a solution without me being frustrated so yeah exactly that my, my therapist loved the idea of that so well i mean I, I mean i i think that's like even good almost for like just normal practice with humans right because like we all assume that we need oh <laughs> welcome welcome valley are you gonna are, a, a new guest on our podcast we're interrupted that's okay all right so i know that may have sounded like a really short break (laughs) didn't even sound like a break at all sorry or seemed like a short break we didn't just went in from like talking about mental health to like oh and now we're talking about a completely different topic it's also been almost two months months since the end of that last clip (laughs) and right now and the funny part of that is i actually had recorded like three or four takes on the outro like what we're doing right now like weeks and weeks ago and promised you guys that I was going to get it out like a couple days later well that's probably almost been a month as well so and the funny thing is when we were recording that episode you probably heard it not too long ago but at some point in the episode you said that you thought I was in labor oh right okay yeah I guess we have to explain that and (laughs) turns out I was yeah for those of you I don't follow her on social media and just on the podcast yeah turns out I was in labor (laughs) um and shortly after that that was recorded at probably like two o'clock yeah and, and I gave birth at nine forty. Oh, right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah not, at, not before she uh went to my parents house ate to eat a really off. good dinner mm-hmm. she's like I don't know what I'm gonna get you're gonna hear all about it so like yeah. like uh yeah so we're just gonna end that episode here we're gonna probably follow it up with a part two like Julia is gonna go a little bit more in depth because mm-hmm. you know can better. I just pause this for a second sure. and I just need you to apologize to the listeners right now for your heavy breathing <laughs> For the, like the last time you spoke here, you were like, <sighs> "Okay, I was in labor." Because I was breathing through my contractions. Sorry, yeah. friends. <laughs> they hurt. And that and she was just hella pregnant. Refused so you to were believe like, it. No, you were just like breathing. Like, oh, just like yeah. just normal because I was pregnant with twins. Yeah. Anyway. Um, All right. So. so if you haven't already, and if you're listening to this episode first, um, we are about to record my birth story. Um, which is going to probably... we're both drinking, so this should be fun. Yeah, so it'll probably include a little bit about, like, that and Like, it'll probably start right where the podcast ended. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and, um... Makes sense. Yeah, so if you want to hear my birth story, I had a vaginal delivery with twins. Go... Oh, I was going to say, I thought you were going to... I'm not going like, to get into like, it. No, 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 no. Oh, okay. Go listen to the next episode. Okay? Okay, friends. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.